that when we sing that song, if God be for us, it's not a question of if he's for us. Amen. He is for us. The, the little text we got this morning, he is for us. If we just trust that he's for us, amen. Amen. It's just like a friend of mine had his little son sitting up on the roof of the car, and he said, he stepped back and said, okay, jump. Now, his, his son had faith, but he didn't show that he trusted his daddy when he jumped. <laughs> so sometimes we got to jump. Amen. And so God wants us to trust him. Amen. Anybody in here, can, can anybody in here say God's ever let you down? Even once? Nobody. I'm not raising my hand because you've let me down. I'm just trying to prompt one of y'all to let, see if I can get you to raise your hand. He's never let me down. Has there been times I felt like maybe, I thought maybe, maybe he might have let me down, but it really wasn't him, it was me? Yeah, there's been plenty of those times. Amen. But in the end, when I got done arguing with myself, I figured out, I had to come to the conclusion it wasn't God, it was me. But God's never let me down. He's always been faithful. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of God. Let's not forget to pray for our pastor's wife as she is uh, in a foreign land somewhere called Louisiana. <laughs> Brother, Brother Wayne, if you would. Received the tithe and offering this morning, or the offering for Sunday school. Amen. But we want to keep her lifted up in prayer. Amen. It's, you know, it's hard when your, when your spouse is gone and, you know, you just, you don't feel complete. Amen. And I know the feeling. I know when mom was gone for a week, it just like half of me wasn't there. Amen. But God's great and He's greatly to be praised today. And so we're going to continue. In our Sunday school lesson, my wife, if she could start that recording. You already got it? All right. Amen. Baptizing a new booth person this morning. Praise God. What have we been talking about? Lord, teach us to pray. If you could take that. There we go. Amen. Matthew chapter 6. 5 through 13. Actually, there's another one on there that says Luke chapter four, uh, 11, verse 1 through 4. You see that next slide on there? On the, yep, double click it. There we go. Alright, we're going to read this this morning. And it says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, and for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And it goes on to say, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so we're talking about the concept and the idea of Lord teach us to pray. And we've been talking about this. And the disciples who were his followers for three and a half years asked him to teach them how to pray. So it just kind of goes without saying that we need the Lord to teach us how to pray. And where's the best place to find out how to pray? 
in the Word of God. Amen. Let's see what Jesus did. Let's see what the apostles did as he instructed them. I was uh, listening to somebody preaching the other day, and it never dawned on me. The only time Jesus ever wrote anything in the Bible was in the dirt. He never wrote a word. All of his disciples wrote. According as God delivered it to them, they wrote it. But the only time he ever wrote was in the dirt when he was dealing with that woman that was caught in adultery. So anything he wrote's gone. It just kind of got wiped away. Amen. But the word of God was given unto men, and they, they wrote it down. And so we've got to follow the pattern that they did. Because really, if you look at back at, as, and as I was talking about through the lesson, the church was born in prayer. And born as a result of prayer. Jesus told them to go and pray and to, to tarry in the upper room until they'd be endued with power on high. And so even after they were endued with power and there was 3,000 added to the church, what did it say in Acts 2, 41 through 47, that they went together having fellowship, breaking their bread and in prayers. And many wonders and signs were done. And, and when the seven apostles were sent out uh, to be ministers of the gospel, they, they prayed. Everything they did, they prayed. And so prayer is an important, very important, probably the most important part of, of our walk with our relationship with God because really that's what prayer is. It's our relationship. It's, it's the same thing in my mind as having a conversation with my wife about the, the affairs of our life and, and things. It's, it's important that we have that, that relationship with each other and that we communicate and that I listen and then she listens to me and we have that back and forth. And so it's important that we have that relationship, amen, with Him because without Him we can what? Do nothing. So we need Him. We need that relationship with Him. And He's not going to do anything on this earth without us. He needs our human agency. He needs us to perpetuate His gospel. He needs us to pray these things into existence. Amen. Amen. When somebody said, when you're dealing with people, to talk to God about men before you talk to men about God. You know, in other words, if I'm going to go knocking on doors, if I'm going to go do something like that, I need to take that before the Lord and kind of, kind of like a farmer going out and putting his plow on the ground and preparing the ground before he goes to sow seed. i got to prepare the ground. Amen. So that the Lord has already gone ahead of me as I've prayed and interceded and travailed for that city or that street or that house or that individual. So that when I go there, he's already prepared their hearts to receive. And so we've talked about this whole uh, example of prayer that Jesus gave his disciples. And he didn't tell them to repeat it. It was a, it was a pattern and a principle for them to follow. For years growing up, that's all I ever did was repeat that. I didn't understand what it meant, but it wasn't something to be repeated. It was something to be a pattern to be followed. And so we talked about the first three parts of the of this prayer, and they they are primarily dealing with uh, praying, kingdom praying, and that's talking about praying. First one is acknowledging that He is our Father. We talked about that. We got to acknowledge that He is our Father. Amen. We, in all thy ways, the Bible says, acknowledge Him. We've got to acknowledge that He's the Father. If you're a child and you have a father, you, you've got to acknowledge that your father is the one that's over you. And that He dictates what you do and He feeds you and He takes care of you in the natural. And so our Father, Heavenly Father, takes care of us in the natural and the spiritual. 
And so it's important that we first acknowledge that He's our Father. You know, the Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. He loved us enough to, to create us and to put us on this earth and give us an opportunity to love Him back in return. And so we've got to acknowledge Him. And we're praying that His name be manifested on the earth. Thank God that somebody took the time to pray for me. Thank God that somebody took the time to share the gospel with me and they wouldn't let up. And thank God that there came a day where with all that effort that was put forth that I came to an altar and said, okay, I need this. And so he needs us as, as a human element in, to be involved in ministry. And so we've got to pray that he be manifested on the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're praying that His will would be loosed in the earth. and, he, and that it, His will has already been purposed in heaven. We know that. Because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, He's not waiting for us to, to pray something into existence that's not happened yet. In His mind, it's already a done deal. Amen. He already saw us receiving the Holy Ghost at the altar. He already saw all these things ahead of time. And so, He knows where we're supposed to be. Right? But He leaves it up to our will. He gave us that will to choose to follow Him. Amen. And I want to follow Him. Don't you? And so we talked about, we kind of, I'm kind of getting into the next part of it here. We talked about that prayer is not just something we do on occasion or, or on a certain scheduled time. It's a, it's a daily thing. Like praying. Like breathing. Alright? So we've got to pray. Amen. Praying always, the Bible says, with all prayer and supplication for all saints. So prayer is something we do always. Amen. I, I can't think of a time I don't need to pray. Amen. When I'm going to these appointments for this business that I'm doing, I'm praying that the Lord open that door. I'm praying before I go into that appointment and sit down with that individual that not only am I there to, to try to convince them and persuade them to sell, buy some insurance, but I'm there I feel like more as a, a an ambassador for the Lord. I want them to feel Jesus in the midst of my little talk that I give them. I want them to feel something different about me than the other guy that came in there. I want them. To, I want to walk away and have them not for me, but I want to have them say in their mind, "Wow, there was something unique and different about that guy." Can't put, quite put my finger on it. I've been there. I know you. You can just tell when when somebody there's that presence of God there, and you just can't explain it. Amen. And so we've got to be that light. And so there, uh, we talked about the, some of the conditions that come along with this life of prayer. We talked about an intimate personal relationship. We talked about childlike faith in the Father. We talked about complete trust and surrender in the Father. Confidence that, that God, as our Father, has everything under control in His hand. He's got all things. He's got everything under control if we'll just step back and let Him do it. Amen. If we'll move when he says move and go when he says go and speak when he says speak, he's got all the rest of it taken care of. And I, I heard one preacher say that, you know, the, the enemy might have things that he's trying to come at us, come against us with to, to try to halt us and stop us and, and cause us to get off the path. But God always means that stuff for good. Have you ever noticed that? Amen. What the enemy has meant for harm, God turns around and means it for good in our life. Sometimes we don't feel that way when we're going through stuff. But, you know, Romans 8.28, for we know that all things work together for good. All things. All the bad stuff, all the good stuff, and all the stuff in between. And so we talked about constant vigilance to remain in submission to God's will. 
And then number seven, we talked about a deep desire to be a part of God's plan and purpose. He's already got a plan. And he's already got a purpose for us. We just had, had I need the Lord to put in me a desire to want to be in his will and not do my will. Because if I want to do what I want to do, he'll let me. Anybody ever notice that besides me? If we want to go against his will, he'll let you. He'll let you feel all the pain and suffering and agony and stress and all that stuff because you just decided to go your own way. And there's plenty of stories in the Bible that, that can attest to that. You know, everybody that tried to make their own decisions and go down their own path ended up in trouble. Israel ended up in trouble nearly every time they, they tried to go against the will of God instead of just following his will. So, as I said, the first part is, is kingdom praying. And so, we are going to get into kind of the next part of this. And that's going to be the part where it's going to be about us. And so, I, I kind of wanted to get into this a little bit right here. And I wanted to, to ask this question, do we as people of God profane his name? Because the beginning of this prayer is in honoring his name and lifting him up. And as one commentator said, it's bad enough when the heathen profane the Lord's name, but when his people and his ministers do the same, when we give him less than our best, and when we are bored with worshiping and serving him and praising his name, we dishonor him and profane his name. We take his name in vain. So we've got to be careful about what we do in our life because we are his representatives. That ambassador to Russia or whatever country is a representative not only of the president, not only of our government, but of, of each one of us. And so what they say and what they do matters. And how they handle and conduct themselves. So what we do and say matters. So we are to pray for his power and authority of his kingdom to be manifested on the earth. Amen. Praise God. Moving right along. The second part of this of this pattern of prayer, and I'm trying to slow down. I know I <laughs> some people ask me to slow down, so I'm going to slow down. That that clock just keeps staring at me. I need to just ignore it. So the first, the second part of this pattern of prayer is prayer for ourselves. Amen. Prayer for ourselves, which is prayer for our protection and salvation before during and after the battle, because it is a battle. We are his warriors. We are his, the people and the sheep of his pasture, but we are the ones on the earth that are doing the praying. You know, as we pray this corporate prayer that we pray each and every Sunday, we are binding and loosing. We are corporately releasing the angels of God into the earth to bind the enemy and to loose the minds of the people. I don't know how how you felt when God brought you out of darkness, but I remember when he brought me out of that darkness of religious tradition and all those things, it was an eye-opening experience. And as I looked back, I couldn't believe how how much in darkness I was. You know? Until you see the light, until that light comes in your life, you don't realize how in darkness you are. And so there's souls out there that are depending on us. So this first petition that we pray here, give us this day our daily bread in Matthew 6 and 11. This petition begins with us praying to rebuke the devourer 
so that our natural needs will be met, so that we can focus on our energy on and emotion on His kingdom and not on ourselves. And this, I believe that what this, when this, when we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It's not just talking about me. Give me my daily vittles. Just give me my meals today, God, and, and I'll be good. I believe that it's talking about provision. Like the provision that an army needs to go forward and, and to battle. And if one of the, one of the main things that you could do to an army to stop them from moving, to stop them from being able to fight in the battle is what? Break their supply line. If you break the supply line of an army, they're dead in the water. They can't get water and food and, and bullets and supplies and all that. They are dead in the water. And that's what the enemy is trying to do in our life. He's trying to break that supply line in our life. And so we've got to pray over ourselves every day this prayer. Give us this day our provision. And when I pray this prayer, I don't just pray for myself. Matter of fact, I don't pray for myself at all. But I pray, God, give the churches what they need. Give them buildings and give them finances and send forth laborers into the field and, and give them, give the missionaries all the things that they need. Give them favor with the governments and give them favor. And these are the kind of provisions that I pray and I bind the devourer so that those people, those home missionaries, those men that, and women that are out there in, in the trenches doing this, the work of God, that God will open doors and give them opportunity. Amen? Everything, food, clothing, finances, buildings, vehicles, jobs, health, all those things, all those things. Malachi Three, uh, verse 10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour out a, you a blessing, that you're, you shall not have be, not be room enough to receive it. And then verse 11 says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time of the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And so when I pray, I say, Lord, you said, right here in Malachi 3.11, that you would rebuke the devourer for our sakes. And so I, I basically, I guess I say, okay, God, then do that if that's what you said. Rebuke the devourer. I do that for my kids, my, for my grandkids and my sons and my daughters. So that God can work and minister in their life. I pray those kind of prayers. Because I want the Lord to rebuke the devourer. I want Him to release. We pray that prayer. I want Him to release the finances out of the, the hands of the sinners. Amen. And put it in the hands of the, of the kingdom. Amen. It, it doesn't need to be going into the hands of, of the sinful world. It needs to come into the kingdom of God. Amen. And so we, we've got to pray that. So if we bring the tithes in the storehouse, He'll provide us. All that we need. You know, we know that God is going to provide all that we need. And so I, I pray that, that covering over my needs, but then I take it beyond that, and I pray that covering over the church and the people of God. You know, we've, we've got home missionaries all over this district. We've got home missionaries in Kentucky. We've got missionaries in other countries in Uganda that are doing mighty works of God, and they come up against some stuff. And that we can't go, but we can pray. And the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So when you pray that, believe that he's doing it. Amen. And I look forward to the testimonies from those people that say, we are so glad you prayed because this was going to happen, but God turned it around and this happened. And we were able to get that property, that land, or whatever it is that they need. 
Amen. So just as the enemy was resisting Daniel for 21 days, so our enemy, the God of this world and the prince of the power of the air, will constantly work to hinder our efforts. Amen. He does not want us to succeed, and he is, for all intents and purposes, I'm not giving glory to the devil, but he is, in, as the word says, he is the God of this world for, for a time, until he be taken out of the way. And so we've got to realize who our enemy is, and we've got to fight against him. Amen. And the last thing he wants you to do is pray. And he doesn't want you to pray this kind of prayer. He doesn't want you to bind and to loose. He doesn't want you to release angels to do the Lord's bidding in this world and to bind him up. And so he's going to come into our life and try to disrupt and interrupt our prayer time. Amen. Throughout the day. So that's why I just pray all day long. I, I hardly turn my radio on in my truck anymore when I'm driving. I just use that time to pray. You know, I'm just talking to the Lord and then I'm listening to the Lord. Amen. And for me, that's hard sometimes. Because <laughs> we, we want to get him our, our list and run, out, run through our list and say, okay, prayer over. And we don't want to stop and wait a minute and say, let's see what God has to say. Amen. So I want to know what the Lord has to say. He might tell me to pray about something that needs to be prayed about that I didn't think about. Amen. The Bible says that with groanings that cannot be uttered. He, as we pray, as we, as we get into that relationship with Him, He'll get into our spirit and cause us to pray for things that we had no idea needed to be prayed for. Might be somebody around the world. He might call on you to pray for specifically for a missionary and not tell you what you're praying for. Just give you that thought. I gotta pray for this missionary. God, whatever He needs, whatever she needs, give it to Him, Lord. Whatever situation's going on, work it out. Or whatever. Amen. And so the next part of that prayer, once again talking about praying for ourselves, it goes in Luke 4, And forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Amen. And that, to me that prayer is kind of backwards. Because the Lord's not going to forgive me my debtedness, my sin, my iniquities if I'm not forgiving somebody else. Amen. If I have unforgiveness in my heart, He's not going to forgive me. Matthew six fourteen through 15 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive men not men their trespasses, neither will your Father Forgive your trespasses. So it's contingent upon us forgiving first. And sometimes that's hard to do. Amen? Sometimes that's hard to do. Amen? Sometimes it's hard to forgive. Hebrews 12, 14-15 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord looking diligently lest any man fall, fail of the grace of God or the empowerment of God, lest any root of bitterness, resentment, springing up trouble you. That's talking about bitter torment. Anybody ever felt tormented in your spirit, tormented in your mind? And thereby many be defiled or contaminated. And so... In Hebrews, he's talking about here, we got to be careful not to let that root of bitterness or that root of unforgiveness 
Because what is bitterness rooted in, usually it's unforgiveness. Something that we have let stick in our craw that we are not willing to forgive. And, and we're not necessarily we're going to forget about it. Okay? First Peter 5 and 7 says, Casting all your care upon him. For he careth for you. That word care there it speaks of anxiety. Casting all your anxiety, all your stress, all the things that you're stressing over and the torment and the resentment that you feel. You're casting all of that on him. And how do you know when you cast that all on him? How do you know? Because you don't care anymore what the outcome is. When you take the care that you have and you throw it on him, that means you don't care anymore. You don't care how it turns out. You really could care less. God, it's yours. It's not mine. I'm taking my hands off of it. That is forgiveness. You don't have the right anymore to condemn or judge that individual for whatever they did. Whew. One commentator wrote that closing the doors to our inner man and blocking the adversary's access is imperative for a good soldier. Nothing gives the enemy an open avenue to defeat us like unrepented sins and or unforgiven offenses. Yet our focus is on being forgiven. We like that first part of that prayer. Forgive us our debts. We don't like that second part. While the Lord makes the forgiveness of our sins conditional upon us forgiving others. Something to think about. Really. You have to look at your life sometimes. You know, examine yourself when we have communion. Examine yourself, the Bible says. We've got to kind of sit back and examine ourselves and say, Why is this happening? Why don't I have peace in my life? Maybe there's some unforgiveness. Amen. It could be for anything. Matthew 6 and 12 in the Amplified Version says, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven, left remitted, left remitted and let go of the debts, and have given up resentment against our debtors. You give up. You, you're not even going to hold resentment against them anymore. You're not going to hold bitterness or anything against that individual for whatever they did, whoever they are, whether they're dead or living. I'll never forget when I, right after I got in church, I, you know, I, my mom and dad raised us, and my dad was very hard on us, and sometimes I think to a fault, and I, I carried a lot of resentment and bitterness over that. As a child growing up and as an adult, and I carried that into my adult life, and I didn't realize it. And after I got filled with the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name, there was a, there was a day, and I believed it was the Lord dealing with me, because He knew that was in me. And he was dealing with me about that. And I'll never forget the day I called my dad up. Because I worked in the Audubon facility, so I could make all the long-distance phone calls I wanted to. Because I ran the place. So I called my dad up one day, and I got him on the phone. And we just talked and chit-chatted for a little while. And then I said, Dad, i got to tell you something. He said, what? I said, you know... All this, you know, I appreciate you raising me, and I said all this stuff, and I said, but I gotta tell you that I want, I want to forgive you. And he was, he was quiet. He's like, what? I said, yeah. I said, I've been carrying bitterness and resentment and all this stuff in my spirit, and I said, I gotta get rid of it. 
So I said, I got to call you. And, and he didn't understand. He didn't know how to deal with that. He didn't know how to answer that. And it was scary for me to do that. But I felt like I had to do it like God was telling me. And when I did that, I felt such a release and just... And the next time I went home on leave, my relationship with my dad was better than it had ever been before that. And it was awesome every every day since that. And so the day he died of a heart attack, I had no, the only remorse I had was that he hadn't come to the Lord. But I hadn't, there was nothing between us anymore. Because I dealt with that. And so we can carry things all through our life sometimes. Amen. The Good News translation of Matthew 6 and 12 says, Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we forgive the wrongs that others have done to us. Wikipedia says that forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding an offense and chooses to let go of the negative notions such as vengefulness, which with an increased ability to wish the offender well. Woo! That's deep. Amen. Voluntary process. You've got to want to do it. God's not going to make you forgive somebody. By which the victim, that's the problem in our society, we have a victim mentality. Nobody wants to forgive anybody. Nobody wants to take responsibility for their own actions. They voluntarily change in feelings and attitude regarding the offense and choose to let go of the negative emotions. It's not, like I said, we're not going to forget about it. It's seared in our mind, whatever happened. But we have to choose to let it go. Cast that care. I, I was just kind of curious about that. So I was doing a little searching yesterday and and uh, in the Mayo Clinic had a, a little article posted about forgiveness. And nearly everyone, it says, has been hurt by the actions or words of another. Amen? Amen. Perhaps your mother criticized your parenting skills, your colleague sabotaged a project, uh, or your partner had an affair. These wounds can leave you with lasting feelings of anger, bitterness, and even vengeance. But if you don't practice forgiveness, you might be the one who pays most dearly. This is a Mayo Clinic saying this. By embracing forgiveness, you can also embrace peace, hope, gratitude, and joy. Consider how forgiveness can lead you down the path of physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. So unforgiveness can affect your health. That's what the Mayo Clinic says. And they've probably seen it. People come in there in ill health and they comes down to they get the hospital counselor in there and next thing you know that it's coming out that they, they carry bitterness about something that happened in their life and it's the only reason they're sick. Amen. It's amazing. You know, if a soldier's in the field and he gets a, a Dear John letter or a letter saying there's a birth or his mom died or his dad died or his wife's divorcing him, can he focus on the battle? Absolutely not. All he's thinking about, he might have to go into the battle, but all he's thinking about is that. And that's how the enemy wants to work in our life. He wants to to get access to us, and if we let him have access into our spirit through unforgiveness, he's he's got us all tied up and tangled up with all that stuff. We can't focus on the battle. Amen? We can't focus on praying for souls and individuals and the lost. 
when we're so busy being bitter about something, you know, get over it. <laughs> he went to the cross for that. Cast all your care. Let him. He carried that stuff to the cross. Give it to him. Let it go. Psalms 139, 23-24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my way, my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God. Tell me. Let me know. I want to know if I'm carrying something that, some bitterness about something. I want to know. We gotta to want to know that. We gotta have a clear mind and a clear conscience. Amen. Great peace have they. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. And nothing shall offend them. And what does it say in the New Testament? That offenses will come. There's going to be stuff that's going to come in your life. And if you choose to be offended, you choose to be, to allow yourself to be offended, then you're choosing to allow that unforgiveness into your spirit. And if you do that, you just opened the door and invited the enemy to come in and hold things up in your life. Amen? You don't have to, amen. It is right, Brother Richard. <laughs> For Second Corinthians 2, 8-11 says, Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him, for that to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it, for the sakes, for your sakes, uh, forgave I it in the person of Jesus Christ. In verse eleven, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So he's looking for an opportunity to get an advantage of us. And I don't know why I'm focusing on this one area, but I feel to just kind of settle here and talk about unforgiveness because all unforgiveness is what sin. Amen. We've got to get this stuff out of our life. Amen? Amen. I mean, there's people in our churches, and I know people personally that have been, uh, that were molested as a child. And they've had to forgive that. Because God wouldn't let them go forward any further in their walk with God until they let that go. Because when you're, when you're hanging on to the past, it's like being tied to an anchor. It's like being tied to an anchor. And you, if you're in a boat and you've got an anchor down in the water, you can try to go somewhere all you want, but all you're just going to do is run your motor and you're not going anywhere. And God's not going to let you go anywhere until you let that go. If unforgiveness has dominion over us, we will not be able to be a warrior and a witness for the kingdom. The enemy will be able to render us ineffective for the purposes of the kingdom, and we will be the ones opening the door and allowing him to do it. He's not going to force his way into our life, but we're going to let him in the door with unforgiveness. Amen? And that's why that part of that prayer, that pattern of prayer is so important. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it's contingent upon us forgiving our debtors. Anybody ever heard of Zig Ziglar? Yeah. 
great guy. He wasn't apostolic, but I, I've listened to a lot of him since I've gotten into this business, and it's very positive. I think he had a Baptist background, but he loved the Lord, and he loved the things of God. And he, everything he talked about and everything he did pretty much centered around godly principles. Very, very, very precious man. And so this is one of the things that he said as I've been listening to him. He said, you can either let your past beat you, or you can let it teach you. Because that's what unforgiveness is all about, your past, right? Old things are passed away, right? Behold, all things are become new. We don't let stuff pass away. We don't let it die. We hang on to it. But he goes on to say, but you've got to make friends with your past in order to be fully productive in your present so that your future can be all that it can be. So see how your past, how unforgiveness in your past can hold you back from going forward in God and going forward in life. And he, he's using these principles to teach people to be leaders and salespeople and stuff that you cannot go forward even in the natural. If you're harboring stuff, if you're hanging on to stuff, you got to let it go. In, in this same uh, scenario where he, was, he made this statement, he was talking about he was in this group talking to these people. There was probably 2,500 people in this room, and there was a lady way in the back. And, you know, when you're on a big stage like that, you can't see past the lights. You only see about the first two rows. So he had no idea this lady was in the back, and he was talking about this subject of unforgiveness. And several weeks later, he gets a phone call from this lady who said, you were talking to me when you were saying that stuff. And she said, my stepfather molested me 25 years ago. She said, it, it had been in my craw all those years. And she said, when you said, started saying that stuff, she said, it was like you just dug it all up. And she said, I went home and wrestled and wrestled. And she thought, you know, i gotta, I got to call him. i got to deal with this. And so she called. She said she called her mom. And he said she kept hugging him through this whole, she was trying to tell the story to him. And she'd cry and hug him and tell some more of the story. But she called home, talked to her mom for a few minutes, and she got her stepdad on the phone. And she said something to the effect of, I know that you love me, and I know that, and all these things. She said, but the things you did to me hurt. And they did damage to me, and they hurt me. But she said, I've come, to, I've called you to tell you today. That I'm gonna, I'm forgiving you and I'm letting this go. And she said that her stepdad just started weeping. And so she said, she told Zig Ziglar, she said, I felt such a peace and just such a weight lift off me when I did that. She said, and my life ever since then has just been wonderful. And, and she said, I had no idea. It's because she had repressed it for so many years after, since it had happened since she was a little girl. Here she is an adult, and she just keeps repressing this. And when she did that, it was just like with my dad. When I, re when I released that bitterness that I felt toward him, it was probably just me. My dad was doing the best he could, raising us. It probably wasn't him, but I was harboring that. didn't matter what the circumstances were. And so we've got to be careful today. And I'm going to bring this to a close a little bit early, if that's okay. I, f I feel like I need to kind of stop here and then pick up the next part of that scripture on the next time. But but let's just think about, uh, as we, you know, not just today, but as we go through our day, this week, this this month, amen, and, and who knows what the pastor's going to preach today, but I just feel like God was dealing with me as I was studying and preparing for this lesson about unforgiveness in my life. And it's caused me to begin to do some soul searching and to say, you know what? 
What, am, what is in my life, God, that maybe I'm not aware of? Some bitterness that I'm holding on to. Amen? Because we're human. Amen? And we're just going to go on with our life sometimes. But, you know, that individual, whether they're dead or alive, if you're, if you're holding bitterness and, and resentment against them, they're not in bondage. <laughs> They've moved on with their life. They're just moving along. They might not even realize they offended you. And they're just, they're just happy-go-lucky moving on with their life. And who, who's the one in prison? The one holding the unforgiveness in their spirit. Amen. So it doesn't do us any good. And you might not be able to go back and tell that individual, you know what, I forgive you, but you can tell him. He'll, he'll, he'll take it. And he'll handle it. He'll take care of that situation. Amen. Amen. So let's get the unforgiveness out of our spirit. We're going to talk about leading us not into temptation, but delivering us from evil the next time we come together. Lord, thank you for this time together today. Thank you for this lesson, Lord. Continue to move and minister in the remainder of this service, Lord. Move mightily, Lord, in the man of God. Cause him to speak and minister to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your break. <laughs>